Welcome, everybody, to another Raptors Cage Reaction Podcast. A lot more of a fun one today than than we had last game against Boston. Uh, the Raptors take care of business, win 108-99. to They secure the second seed in the East, so not sure how much action we can expect going forward. But joining me today to talk about this Raptors game, she's a one of the another one of the great co-hosts of the Dishes and Dimes Pod, the third one on this weekend. You can also find her writing literally anywhere you want to read something online. It's uh, <laughs> Katie Heindel. How is uh, how is that game compared to Fridays? That game was great. That game was a lot of fun. It had like everything that we were missing on Friday, uh, including energy, like some of our best starters showing up. Uh, like, I don't know. We still saw a lot of like pretty messy turnovers, um, but it was just like the offensive energy was there. And I think like that's exactly what had been missing on Friday's like sad slugfest. Yeah, it uh, it had everything we were missing Friday, including Raptors shots. So, uh, <laughs> yes. as we know, there was not a lot of that in Friday. And honestly, the first quarter of this, I was kind of expecting another similar thing because it just the Raptors were just chucking up threes and they weren't making them. They weren't getting inside at all. There was just there was such an unwillingness to attack the basket, and we saw every time we did try to force it inside, Memphis would just absolutely collapse with like three guys, and we'd have to kick mm-hmm. it out and. You know, we weren't making threes, but it uh, things seemed to change as soon as uh, Matt Thomas himself checked in the game. That was uh, that was pretty. I mean, that was amazing. I like this guy is not afraid to shoot at all. Yeah, well, I would argue that neither were the other Raptors afraid to shoot. They just Fair. perhaps like <laughs> shouldn't have been. But like to be honest, like that is exactly like what happened today is kind of what I had been holding out for on Friday is just like, you know, we've seen them, like we've seen Fred have to take a little while to warm up. Same with Siakam, Lowry, like anybody. And I thought on Friday, like, okay, at some point these have got to start falling. Um, They just never did. And the difference I think is like today, once they did, it also like really ratcheted up the offensive energy and they could kind of keep creating and building off of that. And I mean, that's one thing that I love about the Raptors, but it is one thing that worries me a little bit preemptively going into the playoffs as if, you know, what what are they going to do if they can't be that generative of offensive energy right away? You know, like, yeah, it's great. Matt Thomas could come in and shoot. Like that's what, that's kind of what he's built for. That's what they have him for. But we, he he also cannot be relied on 100% mm-hmm. of the time to do that. Yeah, and I mean, when you don't have a consistent one-on-one guy that can get you a bucket, you know, time after time, like Kawhi did last year, you know, Pascal has his games where he can do that, and Kyle has his games. Fred kind of has his games where he can go one-on-one. But for the most part, the Raptors don't have that guy, and they have to rely on offense being generated through ball movement and through different actions and screens and you know that we've seen with Boston and then this Memphis game teams are gonna sag off on the off ball a lot if they can't hit shots because if you don't have that guy who can create then you have to be able to get to the hole through uh through passing and I mean it it, it, that's not gonna work unless you can hit outside shots obviously you know a lot of basketball is played from outside in nowadays instead of inside out Mm -hmm. and yeah I mean one thing that did happen today, though, that we haven't been used to in the bubble is the team actually came alive when the bench came in the game. <laughs> like, it, like it was actually it was looking really rough until Serge and Norm came in and Serge made a couple nice passes and Norm threw down a couple uh, a couple hammers. So, uh, what'd you what'd you see out of those two guys that you liked? 
I was happy. I was happy to see fiery Surge. Mm-hmm. Um, I was happy to see Surge, slightly petty Surge, after he got that terrible tech call. But um, at one point, he just like I think he like backed right up into Dylan Brooks. Like he didn't have to, but he just essentially ran into him, uh, and he kind of gave him an over the shoulder look to make sure he knew he saw that. Uh, so I liked that. You know, if Serge can kind of like keep his pettiness to a minimum, then I think it fires at the team in like just the right way. Same with Norm. I think Norm was actually to me a bright spot in that very sad Celtics game. Uh, he had a couple. He had a couple just like kind of classic Powell moves where he would just mm-hmm. sort of run, just like I don't know, like kind of dive at the paint or just like run in really quick from the outside and just kind of take it upon himself to create some some action. Um, so seeing him in this game, I was just happy to see him again, like on more of that same same kind of tip, I guess. But I do want to say like one thing that surprised me. I don't know if you saw the stat at the end of the game, but the Raptors are, have only lost, like by getting 50 wins today, they've only lost two more games than they did last year with mm-hmm. Kawhi, which like just enraged me <laughs> even more to the people that were like, they're not even going to make the postseason. Like, you really looked at this team and you were like, oh, they can't even, like, you know, <laughs> they're not even going to be able to, like, eke out an eighth seed? Like, that is just absurd to me. Yeah. Well, I think it was even after the Miami game or the Lakers game. It was after one of those games that through that amount of games, they had the same record, if not even one more win than they had last year when they mm-hmm. had Kawhi. So, yeah, it really just it, it shows to the disrespect that, the Raptors get from the national media and it's it's starting to pick up a bit more from the championship but still I mean it was it was really weird to see and uh we talked about this yesterday on the on the pod with Iman how literally that like they beat the Raptors and not just like random NBA fans but legitimate NBA writers finally came to the conclusion that the Raptors were good and they were contenders after the Lakers win (laughs) but they couldn't get it after like 50 something games of or 60 something games of having the third best record in the league Mm-mm. And I mean, that's like such, this is so funny to me because this is, this just has to do with the Lakers in my opinion, like it, the Lakers, regardless of what they look like this year, which is like, I keep there, I keep calling them like a fake deep team. Like they are not very deep whatsoever, not at all. Uh, but yet like, you know, they have this kind of sheen on them because of just because of the franchise. Right. So it's like, you they're, they're kind of like the storied franchise only because of their history. So there's still this sense that like, oh, if a team can like make it through the Lakers and now like make it through the quote, like LeBron's Lakers, then they must mean mm-hmm. something. And then they've, they've like proven what they've kind of been doing already in the Raptors case all season. So I think at this point, it's more something to laugh at, especially considering how the Lakers have been playing thus far in Orlando. Um, I had a moment yesterday where I felt kind of bad for LeBron <laughs> watching watching that Pacers game but then I was like well no like stop this like you don't actually feel bad for the guy <laughs> yeah well and, and I mean LeBron and AD were just they're, they're the second and best third players in an Indiana matchup because TJ Warren's just bubble MVP he uh yes absolutely <laughs> yeah he's been he's been absolutely stupid and I'm so excited for the game tomorrow against Miami uh going up against Jimmy because it looks like Jimmy's set to play and this can date Mm -hmm. back to the season where Jimmy said he's not on my level and realist this actually I mean that might even be a first round matchup wait and he and this goes back to the that's when he like blew him all the kisses right yeah no yeah that's the the same game they got into my favorite Jimmy Butler performance maybe 
but this this TJ Warren seems like a different person than that one. No, you know I, what I mean? Bubble <laughs> TJ is actually like he he's been the best player in the league since the bubble started, and it's not even a question. Mm-hmm. And realistically, yeah. second best might be Devin Booker. I uh, he's been yeah. I mean, begrudgingly, I suppose I have to admit it. <laughs> and I mean, obviously, we uh like you obviously can't take away every single thing or conclusion from like five or four games. But I mean, through these four or five, since it's been basically a season on its own, all you can do is really, you know, kind of separate them from the rest of the season and the rest of their kind of careers at this Mm -hmm. point. Uh, But anyways, yeah. Back to the rest. Yeah, (laughs) that was a good, that was a good little Indiana (laughs) rabbit trail. Uh, One thing that was funny was like Matt Thomas came in and hit those two threes and then they started running full deny on him. And that like that really just speaks to how good of a shooter he is. And I've said all along that he is a much better defender than people give him credit for. I'm not saying he's going to lock down, you know, the other team's best player or lock down really many people, but he hustles and he's always attentive and he's always in his gap properly off ball. Like he's a better defender than people give him credit for. And then obviously on offense, he's a legitimate bucket. Like he honestly has a chance to be a player in this league and I think he could crack the rotation maybe next year or the year after but I actually I really really like Matt Thomas like he's not just a a guy who comes in and shoot threes then gives up everything else no no but I think a lot of that speaks to just like the tenacity that is needed to continue playing with this Raptors team like nobody's really gonna last let alone like last in any kind of solid rotation if they're not willing to put in the work on both ends especially like the defensive work when you just look at the lockdown defense of the team in general so it is nice to see him kind of rounding out a little bit more in that sense like it is always nice to see him kind of hustle up and go for those defensive rebounds and just do that extra work that like everybody else is doing um and to your point just to like I think it does give him a shot at having some staying power, whether it's with this team or, or who else scoops him up. Um, I don't know. It's nice to see. It's nice to see just like him chipping in in that sense, you know, mm-hmm. especially when like for me, it's been a bit of a bummer that like guys that we were used to seeing play that way, like Terrence Davis for one, Ronda Ellis Jefferson haven't necessarily uh, been putting in the same kind of work so far. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I mean Matt only finished off with those six points, but quite honestly, they were uh like they were actually a pretty big six points because I believe one of them cut it to three and one of them maybe cut it to one, and they, mm-hmm. those shots really actually is what sparked the Raptors' offense because after that, I think you know Fred hit a three, Pascal uh, got in the post and made a bucket, but like those two shots actually sparked some offense from the Raptors because before that it was insanely slow and like I said really the start of the game like the first four or five minutes it actually kind of looked like what we saw on Friday versus Boston Mm -hmm. yeah I'm not like I have to admit like I'm still not all in on the Matt Thomas train but I'm happy to see it (laughs) I'm happy to see it pulling out of the station chugging along (laughs) yeah no and I like I'm not like I'm not fully in on it as far as this year goes I just I think he definitely has the the, the, the skill and the ability yes. and just the, the mindset to be a player in this league in the future. Uh, how about let's uh, let's swing things over to a guy who's a player in the league right now, an all-star in the league who hasn't necessarily played like it, but tonight definitely his best game in the bubble. Pascal with 26, mm-hmm. 9 of 16 from the field, 4 of 9 from 3. I think one thing we saw from him that was different from the other games is he didn't settle and he got back to, to what he's good at. Like As much as he's improved his three-point shot, his bread and butter is still getting inside, kind of catching the ball in the mid-range or getting the ball in the post and really just 
grinding out buckets and we saw that a lot which led to him you know stretching it out further to four for nine from three yeah I think Pascal being like kind of intentionally intentionally like I I mean I'm gonna say intentionally offensive but you know what I mean I I mean like (laughs) he has more intention on that in that front than we've seen him in, in games past like it was a real bummer in that Celtics game that he just seemed like he was a like scared basically like scared to get into the paint like he kept getting driven off like he kept getting pushed way out wide and then he would take some very stupid shots or get forced into into more turnovers um but yeah like to your point that's where we've seen him do the most growth that's where we saw him like start out with this team uh and it, it is nice to see him back in there because again like that's one of those things that is so generating toward the offensive energy that's needed and if you don't have it it's just like, I don't know. And there is something to be said too for like, especially I think we saw it in this game. You know, the Grizzlies are a young, really tough, brash, like super energetic team that doesn't really get put off or scared off by much. And like, you've got to play physical to that. And I think the Raptors did a really great job. And I think that's one of the times when you realize, oh yeah, like Pascal is big and huge and long and like has this incredible reach and like cannot be pushed off easily. Uh, And in a game like that, this, like this, it really shown. Whereas in a game like Boston, he kind of shrunk. So I hope that he stays with this. My hope with this game was that it would be kind of exactly like it turned out to be just a sort of good jolt in the arm for the team, especially going into the back-to-back Bucks matchup. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. And I, and I also just want to say another thing on Pascal, like how nice is it that, he can have like 26 points at a game and we're like, oh, it's kind of a quiet, you know, it <laughs> right. still feels like a quiet game for him. Right. Whereas like before, like, you know, even a year ago, you'd be like, oh, career high. Like, you know, this is crazy that he did this. Whereas now we're like, oh, it's nice to see him back to his regular self. Yeah, no. And I, I was actually actually thinking that as soon as I read the stat line, because I don't really check box score as much when I watch the game. I just mm-hmm. I just watch it. So like watching it, I was like, yeah, that was a that was a good game by him. Then I checked the box score. I'm like 26 and three. Like, that's kind yeah. of. That's kind of like maybe average to low average, but I mean, that, that does just, it's just a testament to how good he's been this year and how much he's improved. And as you mentioned, as much as this is a young Memphis team who's missing, you know, their second best player, probably maybe even their best on some nights, Jaron Jackson Jr. They're mm-hmm. a, they're a gritty team. They're tough and they're every single win matters for them in this bubble because they're still trying to fight for that eight seed and they played like it tonight. They, I was, I was really impressed with them and I've been really impressed with them all year and they're super fun to watch. Uh, Dylan Brooks, he's a guy who, watching, I thought he had a better game than he did. He still definitely didn't play horrible, but he took 26 shots. Like, he was 11 for 26, and he's a... I think Chucker is definitely one word to describe him. He's just... (laughs) He's like this a lot of games. Probably not to 26 shots, but whether he's on or off, he's going to shoot a lot. And honestly, tonight he shot pretty well for the most part, and he made some big buckets. uh, What did you think of Canadian Dylan Brooks? He was another, like, similar to past... It was like, oh, he got 25 points. All right. Like, when did that happen? Uh, He looks good. I think he, like, fits really well on the squad. I think they've come to, like, rely on him pretty heavily. I think him and Ja, like, feed off each other really well. Um, I It's like, it's, I don't know. It's always nice to see a Canadian like this getting getting some shine. Especially, I mean, we know, especially we know on, like, a team like the Grizzlies, we feel like it's, it's like, doubly Canadian, I suppose. But... Yeah, it, it was a good match. I mean, a part of me kind of wishes that both teams could have won, 
one just because like this was the first time the Raptors faced the Grizzlies. It's the first time we got to say CJV again. Um, I really like zero this point JV. Yeah, I mean he helped us out. Yeah. <laughs> We're Actually, just solid. <laughs> I've really found Nick Nurse is really really good at guarding his former players. Like Danny yeah. has zero points against us in two games. JV just scored zero. Even that first game against the Clippers with Kawhi, he had like what like eleven turnovers. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I guess just back on the Canadian train, they have another Canadian, Brandon Clark, who is one of my favorite players in the league, and I was preaching that he was the best player in Gonzaga all year. Uh, he finished with 16-9, and nine, and I honestly, like, I'm at the point, and I've been at this point for a while, where I actually don't see this young core as far off from the Pelicans. I think with Ingram and Zion, they're still above them, but I'm really big on Jaw and Jaron and Dylan and Clark, and, I, and even, like, a guy like D'Anthony Melton. I think they could be maybe the third best young core in the league, fourth best, depending on what you label as young. But I just, I think they're a a good young team and they really did show it today. I mean, I think like when you want to put them against the Pelicans now, I think they're what most people thought the Pelicans would be just in terms of production. Mm -hmm. Like they're much more consistent. Um, They've got more all around, like I'd say just like, better rounded players uh, and they play pretty cohesively. Whereas I think with the Pels, like as much as I really like that team as well, and I want them to succeed, especially given everything Zion's gone through this season, they're still like glitches and lurches and they're not, it's like pretty stop start watching them play. Whereas when you watch a team like Memphis, it's a lot more seamless. Um, And I think that's just, I mean, their pace is also just like ratcheted way up, but I, I respect that. I mean, the other who did you mean for another young team? Because in my mind, though, like some of them are not young. I also look at that Miami core that's played around Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think like a lot of those guys, well, they're kind of evil. <laughs> they're yeah. also, they're also like a pretty persistent, uh, like ready young team. Yeah. Well, I like to me, like, like I said, depending on what you consider young, I just I, mm-hmm. like, I think Denver's has the best young core. If you consider True. Jokic young at 25, especially with the way MPJ has been playing. And then you have Jamal Murray. And then even a guy like Jeremy Grant, who hopefully they sign back is only 26. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then bull bull too, depending on what you can get out of him. I just, I would, if you label Jokic as young, I would probably put that as the best young core. But then again, Jokic is 25. So maybe that's a, maybe he's an old guy now. I don't know. But they sound like Bill Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> what calling calling a guy like, a twenty five year old young? Yeah, like would you consider him a young twenty five? <laughs> yeah, I don't mean it like that. I just <laughs> I just mean if you consider twenty five young. Uh that's funny. Uh yeah. Um honestly, I I guess not a horrible guy to be compared to for podcasting, but <laughs> yeah, no. Uh anyway, yeah, back to back to this game. Another guy I I notice always has a way better box score than I figure is Kyle Lowry and especially in a game like today like a game like the Lakers you know that he just had an amazing game and you know that he went off you don't even have to look at the box score but a game like today he was super quiet and I didn't necessarily think he played bad but I was like ah, it was it was whatever but his numbers are always right around some sort of triple double range like he finished with 15 7 and 8 with four steals and he didn't shoot overly efficient but Kyle just it, it really just goes back to what everyone knows is that Kyle just impacts winning in so many ways and he he he's just a winner and that's why Toronto fans are so high on him and it's probably why the rest of the league is so low on him because they watch him play and even a game like today like they'd be like well that's not an all-star performance but if you don't truly watch it day in and day out how much he impacts winning you just you don't know it's just that quiet 
kind of extra work that yeah. Larry's always doing. And I think, I mean, that's what is so amazing to have him on your team, but it is also what's so frustrating to see him not get the kind of exposure he deserves for it just mm -hmm. because it is, it is like behind the scenes work. It's like super gritty. It's like putting your body on the line every time you're doing kind of like you're playing ugly. Like Larry plays pretty ugly sometimes, but like respect the hell out of him for it. And like the team, like the team needs it, you know, and he's like really instilled that in a lot of the other guys and on the Raptors. But like, I do wish, I do wish like his stat line would be studied more closely than like, you know, the more explosive ones, just given everything he can accomplish and still continues to do because he's so smart and he just keeps getting smarter. So, I mean, we want to talk about like ceilings in terms of gameplay is one thing, but I feel like ceilings in terms of like basketball IQ is just something else that with Lowry, he's like, He's still learning and like calculating every single game. And like, that's to me, like would be the scariest thing to play against someone like that. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like I can't, I can't talk up Lowry enough. I love that guy. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, every Raptors <laughs> fan is right behind you. And I know plus minus isn't necessarily the best stat because it can be tainted in some ways. But if you look at the, at the box score on every single game, even the ones ra the Raptors lose by like, 10 or 8 and everyone's in the negatives Kyle still always finds a way to be in the positives mm -hmm. I, I just when he's on the floor good things happen and that's basically just the most basic analysis I can give of it he just he does everything right defensively he's always boxing out he even if he's not assisting on a pass like his pass to set up the offense it, it was a good entry pass or it was the right it was the right call because he's passing to a mismatch or he's two passes ahead of where the mismatch is because he can just see it and I mean, another guy who's insanely smart, and I've really, really noticed it today. I've, I've noticed it in the past games, but I've really noticed it today is I think Fred Van Vliet might be one of the best off-ball defenders I've ever seen in my life. And like mm -hmm. I've played and coached and watched for like ever since I was in like grade two, and he honestly might be one of the best off-ball defenders that I've ever seen. Yeah, Fred's just a, like another guy who's kind of taken – I mean, I'd say he's kind of like taken to the tenets of Lowry really well, but like that's just the tenets of this Raptors team, um, which is like he's like a mini Lowry. He can be, you know, but like he he's got the toughness. He's got, got the intelligence. He's he's a lot more quiet, though, than Lowry when it comes to especially just like, you know, he won't get rattled by anything. He's mm -hmm. just like unflappable uh, and he really brings this like kind of intimidating calm yeah. I think in the Raptors favor to the floor at all times. Uh, and yeah, he's like, he's also another player who's getting, he's getting all, he's gotten a lot smarter. And I think one thing you've, we've seen it with other teams with given like the four month gap between when the season stopped and now is like, maybe, yeah, they stayed in like good physical, like most guys are like in good physical shape and like ready to play again, but just like the sharpness of their brains getting back into it. You know, that's been a bit foggy for some teams. You've kind of seen it, uh, but you haven't seen it at all, really, with like with Larry and Van Vliet. We've seen it with some of the Raptors, but yeah. with Larry and Van Vliet, like they came back, like dialed in and like extremely ready to go. And I do want to say, too, just because you were saying like who surprised you thus far, um, OG Ananobi is like another player who I think has really like I. I get so bummed out when I think about the time he missed last season because mm -hmm. he got hurt and he didn't get to, he didn't get the chance really to have these big growth spurts that like Fred got, that Pascal got to a degree even that like Powell got. And now you're seeing him kind of right there with Lowry and the same thing. Like when you look at his stat line, it's like nothing, it's nothing explosive, 
but he is he's like getting the rebounds you know he's like doing the like little annoying things like he's getting steals he's getting blocks like he's he's doing that kind of work that is going to be really generative for the team so i i like i like the direction that he's going in and i like how much he seems to freak out like he freaked out lebron yeah. And to a degree, AD, like he scared them. <laughs> yeah, and bam, like he he's very stealthy, like very sneaky. And the Raptors don't really have many guys like that because they're so like annoying and in your face all the time. <laughs> but yeah. if OG could become that guy for, for the Raptors, like I'm here for that. It, it, he honestly might be the best on-ball defender in the entire league. And his offensive game's coming along. We've seen a bit of a handle in the, in the half court. It's still definitely not as clean as you know, it, it should be for like, or it could be to be at like an all-star type level. And he's never going to be a shifty guy, but if he can just tighten up his handle, uh, he's so strong and explosive that he could blow by anyone. And then once his, his contested finishing gets better, he, uh, mm-hmm. he definitely has all-star ceiling. Like, I'm not going to say his ceiling is Kawhi because I just, that's a ridiculous ceiling to put on anyone. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think he could make an all-star team in a couple of years if his handle continues to grow because he also is still only 23. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I I agree. I think like I think like ceilings are a weird thing because um, I think more and more we're seeing how they can shift. Like yeah. guys don't necessarily really operate on the same kind of timelines or trajectories that they used to. Like you see that in a player like Pascal Siakam where he doesn't really hit hit these kinds of like um you know, and hit these kinds of marks where players of the past would in the time that they did. Yeah. It's just like he's kind of remade the roadmap for himself. So someone like OG similarly, especially because he didn't he didn't get a lot of play last season in what would have been like a really good championship experience for him. Uh, you're seeing him make that up now. And to your point, like there's so many times when I stupidly forget how strong he is because he's it's he crazy. doesn't have that kind of like even matched up against someone like Bam, who I think of is like, he's super strong. He's really big. You see OG next to him. You're like, he's super strong. <laughs> he's super big, but he just doesn't necessarily always p- play like that in like an in your face kind of way, which I really appreciate. But yeah, it's, it's been nice to see him kind of like turn, turn over a new leaf. Now I, I posed this question on Twitter earlier in the day and I'm kind of throwing you on the spot here, but <laughs> like how many, starting backcourts are better than Kyle and Fred defensively like there's not a lot I can like I can I guess I came up with two that I would take over Fred and Kyle I don't know how many you came up with in this really short spurt but uh, (laughs) yeah in these these seconds (laughs) yeah I threw you on the spot for sure Mm, I mean I this hurts me to say but I feel like the Celtics had a stronger backcourt than I anticipated. Um, but I saw a lot of kind of cues to actually like Kyle and Fred's game and what they were kind of serving us on Friday. But just from like a a strictly defensive standpoint, because I like Kemba's eh, Jalen's good. The two (laughs) I thought of were Lonzo and drew and then PG and Pat Bev. And then yeah. the other the other two backcourts that I would put just behind them would be like Danny and Avery Bradley and then Ben Simmons and Josh Richardson. But like it's crazy how a backcourt comprised of two guys who are six feet on a good day mm-hmm. uh, can be like top three at the very, very worst, like top five defensively. I mean, I would say also don't I wouldn't sleep on Houston in that sense, just given like what pj i miss like pj tucker so much i look at him so 
like longingly i'm like man if the raptors could have figured out a way to keep him yeah. like w- how good would this team be anyway too bad Masai still- had to go on that flight yes exactly <laughs> but um yeah i don't know i don't know that i would give it to simmons um i don't know that i see it necessarily in, in lonzo either um but i think it's i don't know it's an you did put me on the spot but it is an interesting question but i but I think it also speaks to the fact that like no one really stands out as strongly. I know we're super biased, but like no one really stands out as strongly as the Raptors to me. Yeah, and, and it <laughs> which also, is a good thing. Yeah, and it also just might be because they're doing this at such you know a, a low average height, and that was the mm-hmm. big question heading into this when Nurse decided to start Fred beside Kyle was can it work because they're both six feet. One of them's going to have to guard a shooting guard on every night. And that's typically been Kyle one because he is stronger, but also Fred's just so good at sticking with point guards and quicker guys. And Kyle's done amazing at guarding shooting guards. And obviously with the second best defense in the league, statistically, I think the best defense in the league, when you just look at versatility and how they can you know switch it up on you, but they're a real big part on why this team is so strong defensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's just like, it's this kind of relentlessness, right? It's this attitude yeah. of like never backing down and never getting backed down by anybody. And like Fred, Fred just like won't be put off by anyone. Like I got so much joy, like recently for something I was writing, I had to watch footage, had to, I, but I was watching just footage. Had of, to. Um, yeah, I just had to, of like the, like the, defense in the Warriors games like in the finals last year and just like the box had won and like Fred going after Curry and like how upset how upset Steph got to the point where he was like you know make he's like they've got a janky defense (laughs) like sorry dude like sorry it worked but just when you see something like that and you see like Fred can't like you can't shake him so I think there's like that's something that players don't really anticipate given his size like he's not the guy uh but he he makes up for a lot of it just with like his general footwork and kind of being able to like preemptively figure out where guys are gonna go Mm -hmm. no this uh this was a great game and as you mentioned the raptors play the bucks tomorrow at i believe it's 6 30 eastern so uh a potential conference finals rematch slash preview well it it is the conference finals rematch but a potential preview to this year's conference finals again um I doubt we're going to see anything from either coach as far as like adjustments or showing any sort of card. Who knows mm-hmm. if the starters will even play a, a ton for either team because they've both locked down their seedings. So uh, either way, I wouldn't take too much away from tomorrow if it goes like it did on Boston or if Toronto does win by like 30. But I mean, you know, Raptors fans are going to take everything away from every <laughs> second of it. But <laughs> was there anything else from this game that stood out to you that you want to touch on? Not really. I mean, I think like uh, I was surprised by the end how much I was telling myself I didn't like the Grizzlies when all season long I'm like, I love this young, this fresh young team. Like by the end of the game, I was like, yeah, like I've had enough of these kids. I actually I kind of find that, too, where I can like watch other teams play and I don't have disdain, disdain toward anyone. Sometimes the guys on the Clippers and sometimes the Celtics. But realistically, like I just enjoy watching everyone. But as soon as they go up against the Raptors, they're just like I feel like I'm on the team where I just get this. <laughs> like almost hatred towards them. Like I hate using that word, but like I just I don't want anyone to succeed in any way against the Raptors. And even if Toronto's up twenty and someone scores two points to pull them within eighteen, I'm still like, ugh, like just so competitive. So I don't, yeah, I don't know. I uh, definitely feel where you're coming from though with that. 
Yeah. I mean, I definitely didn't think I would walk away from the game with a new enemy in Grace and Allen, but that's what I have. Everyone has an enemy in Grace and Allen after watching him play, especially if you watched him in college. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Like he comes from a pretty dirty school, but like I don't, I don't know. I guess I'd not seen it like that, but I didn't really, I didn't like what he was trying to do to Norm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I at mean, all. He, he had a decent game, but yeah, he was, he was really attacking Norm, and yeah, was it? Uh, but I think, I think that's good because you're like, all right, like they're getting frustrated right mm-hmm. like it's working so it's good to remember that though in the heat of the moment it's hard to i also think it did kind of fire norm up a bit and i mean as we saw it worked and then norm got him back because he got to jump on his head on a pump fake so yes they kind of got each <laughs> norm other back. Will always get you back you know that's something we don't think of norm as like a revenge guy but he really can be i did have a uh, one more question i wanted to ask you uh it's about mm-hmm. one of your podcasts the uh basketball one Okay. I've always wondered if it's uh basketball, like a question, or if it's like uh basketball, like duh, like which one? Which one of those two is it? I think it could be either. That's the that's the oh, whole kind of name for the reason. Yeah, is because some days we approach it and it's like uh, basketball. Like we're like oh, like the last game. For, I mean, oh my god, the last episode, for example, when we were actually talking about basketball, uh, that was a bit of a surprise because, as you know, we launched it. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of right when the season went on hiatus. Yeah. Uh, and then there's other days when you're just feeling pretty rude and pretty good and you're just like, uh, basketball. And I think it works both ways. Yeah, you, it could be like 30 different ways. Uh, but yeah, go subscribe mm-hmm. to that pod and then I guess I'll let you shout out anything else you want to shout out right now. Yeah, I mean, I've got to keep this like tour de force of your weekend going. So I'd like yeah. to shout out Dishes and Dimes, uh, of which you've you've hosted like almost half yeah, <laughs> three in a row a right of, now yeah there's a lot of us but you could get to everybody but dishes and dimes i'm sure most raptors fans are aware but uh if you're not you should subscribe because it's some of the most like it's funny intelligent just like on their shit women in not just raptors basketball but i'd say like a general league-wide knowledge uh when it comes to that and then what else do i've got i i'm a features writer at dime so you can find my work there i'm gonna have a big thing coming out actually about vince carter pretty soon um just because you know the world needs another piece on him uh, i also have a newsletter called basketball feelings which you can subscribe to at substack it's basketballfeelings.substack.com uh, and you can follow me on twitter at whatevs which is spelled w-t-e-v-s yeah and uh i do apologize to the dishes and dimes crew that tomorrow I'm breaking the cycle, and I'm actually bringing on a guy from another Raptors podcast, one of the one of the talking Raptors guys for the Bucks game. So, uh, Damn. it's yeah. I'll probably I mean I got to get all of them on it at some point. So, and, there, mm-hmm. and there's a ton of games we're expecting a deep playoff run. But yeah, you can get at me at Zach Wilson fifty on Twitter and Instagram. Then follow the show at Twitter at Raptors Cage. Check out RaptorsCage.ca. We got some great articles. I'm sure there'll be some uh, game recaps from this game on there. Uh, subscribe to the Playgrounder podcast. That's my other pod. We uh, we're uh, we're growing, and then you can check out theplaygrounder.com too. And yeah, Raptors play tomorrow against the Bucks. Uh, make sure you take away every conclusion possible because every team's going to be going 100. Thanks, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on, Katie. <laughs> thanks for having me.